Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Whether you're looking to get on your very first store shelf or you're looking to grow your national or even international food brand, this podcast is going to teach you what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale a packaged food brand. Hear the food founder journeys of brands growing in their industry so you can fast track your food business success. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. All right, food friends, we are here with Tim Keenlyside from Georgian Bay Spirit today. Tim, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Thanks, Ainsley. Good to be here. Great to have you here. Let's jump right in. I'd love if you could share with everyone what is Georgian Bay Spirit for anyone who doesn't know, and who are you really for? Okay. Well, we're a, a craft spirit company. We make a premium craft gin and vodka, Georgian Bay gin and Georgian Bay vodka. But we also make craft cocktails in a can. And we like to think we somewhat revolutionized what's called the ready-to-drink space by bringing a premium craft product to the space with lots of great flavor and taste and a more sophisticated flavor profile. So we have a line of products called Georgian Bay Gin Smash, Georgian Bay Vodka Smash, Smash Tea, and Smash Soda. And talk to me a bit, a little bit more about like the beginning of the company because you guys just kind of blew up the past couple of years in yeah. Canada and you know you find you guys everywhere now. So talk to us a little bit about how you got started and how did you really manage this I'm going to say rapid growth because you guys are everywhere. Yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride. We have grown quickly. We started out of and I think every successful business starts out of a passion, right? And so my business partner and I were both quite passionate about food and drink. We were and the other thing we were passionate about is marketing and branding. So we were running together an advertising agency and doing, you know, brand development for many other products and clients. And it was about the 15-year mark. And I think in any business, you get to a point where you're pretty good at it. And you start looking for, well, what's, you know, what can challenge us? What can the next thing be? And so Danny, my partner and I um, would have these meetings on Friday with the company. We'd talk about, you know, what's next. And he brought to the table this idea of, well, what if we were to develop our own brand of something? And uh, he suggested, you know, it'd be interesting to try doing a spirit, getting into the spirit space. We had a client in the duty-free world. And so we were quite familiar with the products that were doing well in duty-free. And I thought, you know what? We love gin. We're both big gin drinkers. Let's give it a try. And so really from there, we submitted a proposal to the LCBO, the uh, Ontario uh, Liquor Board, for Georgian Bay Gin. The idea we had, we were skiing in Georgian Bay, looking over Georgian Bay, and we both almost at the same time said, wait, Georgian Bay Gin. We both have uh, we both have a long history with Georgian Bay. My family's had a property up there since the 50s. I have a place there now myself. Uh, wild juniper grows all over the place. And we're like, well, we could collect juniper, we could use local water, and really create something here. So we started getting excited about this brand, submitted it to the LCBO, they liked the idea. They liked the marketing. They said, okay, in six weeks, we'll try the product and see how you do. We didn't have a product. We just had this idea for a product. So we had six weeks really to figure out how to make gin. 
And that meant calling every distillery around, see if we could use their still, try to find a recipe. I remember going down to Queen Street in Toronto and uh, going to a place called Herbie's Herbs and buying every kind of botanical I could get my hands on just so that we could experiment making different gin teas and stuff. So anyway, long story short, we found a, a, a still, made our first batch of gin, tasted it. It tasted like gin. It wasn't fantastic. Submitted <laughs> um, it to the LCBO. They said just that. They said, well, this isn't fantastic, but we love the brand. We love the concept. And we said, hey, well, look, there's eight months before this would go on shelf. It's a long cycle from you know, development to actual launch. Could we you know, spend that time perfecting it? And they said, absolutely. So that's where we really got serious. In my business partner, Denny's Kitchen, for months, 48 different recipes for their own little... We created almost like using a, uh, a vapor infuser. It's kind of, I forget what it's called. It's almost like a coffee infuser to infuse our own botanicals using vodka, flavoring it, trying to get a gin recipe and then scaling it up for mass production. Anyway, 48 recipes later, we got something that tasted great, took it back to the still and it, everything worked. It was, it was amazing. And that's, you know, that's how it all started. I love that. I mean, first of all, the, that must've been very tough work, you know, 48 different flavors that you guys had to go through different recipes, tough work in the food and drink industry, right? (laughs) It was a lot. I mean, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, to do it right, you have to spend a lot of time getting it, getting the flavor where it needs to be. And then it's a real slog just to, you know, build that brand. So we, the gin sold well right out of the gate, but the volume wasn't there to make it really a big business enterprise at that stage. What really changed the game was when we decided to do a craft cocktail in a can. Mm. So when we brought out our Georgian Bay Gin Smash, and only at the time it was two ninety five a can, so it's very easy for someone to try a product at that price point. It was hugely successful, and then all of a sudden, the you know the, the things just took off from there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but your gin is award winning gin, is it not? Yeah, I mean, uh, both our gin and our vodka. So uh, the, actually, the year our vodka came out, we won best vodka at the San Francisco World Spirit Competition. So beating out every vodka at the show from around the world in our first year. And our gin is also a double gold winner at, uh, at the San Francisco World Spirit Competition, which is sort of known as the Oscars of the, of the spirit world. So, you know, to, to have two world-class spirits right out of the gate for a small Ontario producer is pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other thing, like you guys have perfected this recipe. You went all into it, but you also didn't let the proper way to do things, if you will, kind of stop you. Like you built the brand, then you went to go submit it. And then you asked the question, like, give us a chance to perfect. Like some people I feel would get hung up with, it's not perfected yet. Let's hold back and not go forward with it. And you guys didn't do that. What do you think has led to that just ability to, no, we're going to go for it anyways. We're going to go for it and we're going to figure stuff out along the road because really that's kind of entrepreneurship as a whole. So what yeah, I mean, I, to that? Yeah, I think you've really nailed what entrepreneurship is all about. Right? <laughs> a lot of it is you're learning on the fly, you're adjusting on the fly, you're figuring stuff out. But if you have that tenacity, you really, I think it's really all about 
when when everything seems stacked against you and you just you know you you manage to keep going there's always got to be some luck i always say success is this weird combination of luck and sort of stick-to-itiveness if you're able to really stay in the game long enough your luck's going to change as well but you have to you have to have that combination of the two you know what allowed us to do it is i think really a belief in ourselves and a belief that we could get to an end product that we'd be satisfied with but there's also i mean we are perfectionists and so that that is both both a burden and a curse i think you know because you really need to be able to push yourself as far as possible but believe that you can get there mm-hmm. There are times, I got to tell you, I mean, there's times along the way where you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you miscalculate something and you realize that the cost is a lot more along the way. All these things come along, all these hurdles are there, but you work through them and it's not easy. (laughs) (laughs) Not easy, but I love that there's that tenacity behind it. You can find the way to make it work. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, for us, Success has meant the ability to attract great people. Mm -hmm. And so as you start to surround yourself with really great people, I think that's where everything starts to really click and come together. Can you talk to us a little bit about one of the big wins that you've had in the company? Because we know there's lots of ups, lots of downs. You know, one of the big wins that really come to mind for you and who do you think that you had to be to really get to that win? Right. I would say just in terms of the acceleration of the business, the biggest win came when we launched our Georgian Bay Gin Smash. This is in 2016. Our gin had been around for a couple years. We just launched our vodka that same spring. And we had this idea to you know, looking at the, the what they call the ready-to-drink or RTD space, we'd seen where there was premiumization and a craft movement happening in beer and cider and even in spirits and local wines were very popular. This RTD space was still dominated by the multinational brands using high fructose corn syrup, artificial flavor, artificial color, and the, the options were not great in our opinion. And so we saw an opportunity to, to bring premiumization to the category, bring a craft sensibility to the category, and create a more sophisticated, natural, flavorful product. So in doing that, the win was, in that first year of launch, Toronto Star wrote an article that described our product as by far the best premix cocktail to ever grace the shelves of the LCBO. That article came out in May. Our sales were already doing pretty well at that point, and then things just sort of exploded. We were told by the LCBO that spring, to when we were doing our forecasting, to anticipate twelve to 15,000 cases as a successful first year. That would get us a renewed listing if we hit that target. That year, we did 68,000 cases. We were sold out half the summer. We couldn't keep up with production. We probably could have done well over 100,000 cases. And so that win really allowed us, you know, gave us a couple things. It was challenging financially because we were bootstrapping the whole thing at that time. So we had to manage all the production, all the inventory ourselves, pulling our hair out, trying to get more production, trying to get our co-packer to give us more line time and all these things. But at the same time, in the back end, it gave us the financial resources to invest more in our growth, to start bringing in the right people, to bring in investors, to get a line of credit with the bank and all those things. So that was, a, that was really a turning point 
for us as a company. And so the win would be really that good press, but also that it sort of went viral, if that's the right word, right? When people are texting each other, the product just, they just, you know, some just landed in this store and everyone rushes to go and get it. That's a pretty neat moment when people get that excited about your product. Okay. I have to ask, did you guys plan the shortages? Like, did, was, was I don't know if you can even share, but like, was it planned? Because that is great PR right there if it was. <laughs> yeah, we've been asked that a lot. I'd like to say we were that clever, but no, um, it was freaking us out to have those shortages because, you know, the stores get upset, managers get upset, LCPO doesn't love that, customers get frustrated. But you're right, it did. it did create a real hype I think when things are harder to find, they sometimes become more desirable for people. So there really was this moment of, there was a bit of a frenzy around the brand in that first year, which was pretty amazing. Do you have one of the spirits with you? I think you do, right? Can you show it for anyone who is... Yeah, sure. Hang on. I'm going to try to move around here. Yeah. Let's see if I can... Look that's, at that. Look that's at that. That's Golden Gin there. And uh, uh, vodka. This is our... This is our vodka here. I don't know how, you, how well you can see that. There we but, go. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can see it. So we went for a nice tall bottle. What we were really trying to do is capture the essence of Georgian Bay mm-hmm. in both those products. So with our gin, lots of juniper and and pine and forest notes with that uh, angelica root, which is a nice earthy botanical, lots of citrus. And even the bottle design is sort of evocative of, of the simplicity, the, the sort of majesty of Georgian Bay. All of our products, we really try to capture that spirit. Georgian Bay is a truly magical spot. I have spent many Canadian summers up there and it is beautiful. Oh my gosh, it's really beautiful. For anyone who has not been out there, definitely check it out and obviously try the product while you're <laughs> up there or anytime. But you can really see it come to life up there for sure. Talk to me about where you guys are at right now. Obviously, there's new challenges, new wins, new opportunities at every single mm-hmm. level. What are some of the challenges or a challenge that you are facing right now as you're reaching that next level of growth? Sure. Yeah, I mean, every stage has its own unique set of challenges. I think it's always a challenge continuously scaling the business. This is a very cash flow intensive business because you're, you're doing all your production it's, it's somewhat seasonal, right? That we, we do about 70% of our sales happen between May and September or end of August. And so there's a lot of production that has to happen in the spring. And as you're growing, that just means more and more cost to produce and warehouse and then ship everything out. So planning growth smartly is really the key. So we're, you know, our, our challenges now are looking at new markets innovate always innovating coming out with you know new products leveraging the existing brand but also looking for new new concepts personally though i'd, I'd say like the challenge that i'm working on that 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 interests me and i think it's i think it's something that every business today needs to address is the issue of sustainability so our industry like like many, has a, has a large carbon footprint. And so I'm working to look at how we can set some sustainability targets, understand our current carbon footprint, and start taking steps uh, to reduce that. So it's things like, uh, you know, we're going to be bullfrog powering our office and our, our branded vehicles. 
looking at the supply chain and really trying to encourage some of our co-packers to switch over to compostable plastics and things like that uh, in the whole packaging side of things. Encouraging our staff to look at our our transportation and routing. We're building out our own uh, distilling facility in Collingwood right now to expand our production capability. And that that's going to help reduce some of the transportation of our products and increase efficiencies. So it's there. And, and that all helps the bottom line as well. Right. So looking closely through the supply chain to see where we can be more efficient from both a packaging production, transportation, and then that helps um, you know, obviously benefits the environment as well as the bottom line. So that's a really exciting um, challenge for me right now. And then, as I said, you know, looking at new markets and new products is sort of the ongoing challenge that I think any business faces to make sure you continue to grow, but grow smartly, not too, you know, if you, if you bite off too much at once, you can run into cash flow problems on the other side. Right. And the, you know, you nailed it on the head earlier. It's like cash flow intensive industry. It's seasonal. You yeah. put a whole lot of money out before it's coming back in and really, you know, keeping an eye on that and really just making sure that you are scaling efficiently and effectively. You might want to do 10 new line extensions, but it's not always possible to do that. Love that you are keeping an eye on that. And the sustainability piece, you know, when you are larger, you can obviously have a bigger impact on that as well. And you can start at any stage and, um, you know, even encouraging your partners to do that as well. That is something that you can do a lot easier when you're larger as well. And you guys have got to that stage now. So that's really exciting and yes, a really, piece for you guys to do. Yeah. It's a really satisfying part of growing to a point where, I mean, when you're, when you're in that startup mode and you're, you're just in a way, you're just doing everything you can to survive or to keep the company going. But you, you know, it's nice to get to a point where you're big enough to have a little bit of clout with your suppliers as well, but also to be able to step back and say, well, gee, you know, we, we have a significant impact and we can lead now. We can, you know, we can be the responsible leader in the industry, which is a great feeling. That's great. And that kind of leads me into my next question, which is for anyone who is starting out right now, they're in the early stages of their food or beverage business. What advice would you have for someone who's just starting out or considering getting into the world that you are in right now? Wow. <laughs> I've often said, I'm not sure I would, I would tell my kids to go and, and, and do something similar because things are always going to throw you curveballs. There's always going to be lots of sleepless nights and challenges. I think, though, the best advice I could give is know what you're good at. And then realize that early on, you're going to need to start to surround yourself with people who can fill in the gaps. I found, you know, it's amazing how helpful having a good finance person is in the early stages of your business to start to be able to really understand, you know, how much money you're going to need, where it's going to come from, how you're going to grow. Because I think many entrepreneurs, you know, they have that passion for their product, but if they're not thinking about all of these other things, it can run into trouble if the whole business isn't sound. You've got to understand your supply chain. You've got to understand that the relationships you start building early on could be relationships that, you know, 
last a long time. And so plan for success. I think we're, there's um, maybe it's a Canadian thing. There's a bit of, I think, humility and a fear of jinxing yourself when you're starting out. So you're like, ah, we'll just, you know, we'll just try this. We'll just do that. And you can be a little bit of fast and loose with contracts, with, with the business side of things, just to get things done. But if you don't ask yourself, well, what if this takes off? What if we're really successful? Will, will this relationship be maintainable with a supplier? Can they actually produce enough if we succeed? Or, you know, can we afford to produce this much if we succeed. So making sure that all the back end is in place is really, really critical because I don't think, I don't think every entrepreneur thinks of what does success look like. They're often so focused in the right now. That is really great advice. Focus on that long-term, get all your pieces in a row. And you've mentioned a few times throughout our conversation around the team be around great people, have great people on your team. I agree. I think a lot of people try to wear, you know, 12 different hats at once and know what you're good at, like you said, and wear that hat really, really well. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you know, I told you our story of how we got into this business. We didn't know the spirits business. We figured it out, mm-hmm. but a lot, a big part of our success was bringing in the right people who do understand the business and can help guide us as well. Yeah. Really, really great advice. And then finally, just want to close it out with what does Georgian Bay Spirit pair perfectly with? Okay. Great question. There's a lot of things. For me, it pairs best with a very comfortable chair on a dock looking over Georgian Bay with friends or campfire on a starry night. Those are the perfect pairings for me, always with close friends and family. We talk a lot in the company about connection, and I think connection with friends and family, community, connection with nature, those are the perfect pairings for us. Obviously, food too. I mean, I have a friend who has a a company called Salted that makes cocktail nuts, and they have one that pairs perfectly with gin and tonic. It's like a a rosemary almond with uh, some raisins in there. I don't know what is some perfect gin and tonic pairing. And our smashes, I go great with you know any kind of pub food, really. But most importantly, enjoy them with friends, enjoy them with family, and enjoy them responsibly. Love that, Tim. Thank you so much for sharing all of this, sharing your journey to how you got to where you are today, giving some great advice and letting us know how to enjoy Georgian Bay Spirit. So thank you so much for hopping onto the Food Founders Podcast. Oh, my pleasure. It's been great talking with you, Ainsley. Thanks. The Food Founders Podcast is brought to you by the Fab Growth Academy, the online hub for driven food and beverage business owners that want to get on more shelves, get into more homes, and really grow their food business. Inside the Fab Growth Academy, FAB standing for food and beverage, you'll have unlimited access to tools, resources, and training from myself and my food friends. So if you know you have a great product, let's work on building the business side of things so that more people can enjoy it and you can make the impact I know you want to make with your business. The FAB Growth Academy is now open. So hop on over to growmyfoodbrand.com to join me and your fellow food founders inside the Fab Growth Academy. 
I cannot wait to see you in there and help you grow your business.